song lead, but I was telling the brothers, like, I've never thought of It's Camp Time as a worship song, but I want to sing It's Camp Time, and we have junior campers in our midst who haven't got to sing It's Camp Time, so let's stand, and let's sing It's Camp Time. We've got four days to seek the Lord. Hallelujah. It's Camp Time, Bible Camp Time, four days to seek the Lord. Yes, it's camp time, Bible camp time, four days to seek the 
I praise the Lord. Are we in G? Every praise in G. Let's do it. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship in one accord. I believe that's why we're here. So we want him to have his way. Let's worship this time. Let's enjoy our salvation. Amen. When I'm in need.
his work. All right. There's no storm too powerful. Our God cannot handle. Sorry, devil, but COVID you couldn't handle. Our God handles COVID. Amen. He ain't stopping Bible Way Camp one more year. Amen. We're here. Glory. Man, I've been waiting a long time to be here. And I'm happy. I sure hope you are. Amen. I tell you, God's got something great in store. Great in store for us. Amen. But I just wrote some notes down. I've been pondering before camp, and I've been thinking for this moment, this night, tomorrow night, Saturday night, and Sunday night. And I said, Lord, let us not miss our moment. Let us not miss the moment. And Brother Tim came and preached Sarah's moment. I don't know if you caught the service, but she had a moment. It was her moment where the promise then was revealed to her. I said, Lord, I wrote in my notes before that. I said, Lord, help us not miss our moment, Joey's moment. Ben's moment. Amen. David's moment. You've got a moment because God ordained it this camp. Devil tried to stop this camp. It ain't happening. Because our God can handle it. Amen. Amen, because it's your time. Sarah had a time. Zacchaeus had a time. Martha had a time. It's your time tonight. Don't wait for tomorrow night. Say, Lord, this is my time. Zacchaeus, he got up in the little trees and said, I'm just going to look. Maybe I'm just going to see what's happening. See, Jesus is moving through. I just want to take a peek. He said, I'm just going to take a peek at camp. Maybe I'm streaming tonight. See what's happening at camp. I'm going to take a peek. No, it was Zacchaeus' time. He said, today, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Today, young people, Jesus is coming to your house. You might think you're just coming to see what's happening at Bible Way Camp. I'm just going to kind of sneak in and take a peek. Sit on my chair. But I say, no, today. It's your time. Take take it seriously. God's going to move at this camp. Amen? I'm excited. God bless you. Good to see you. My goodness. I know everybody on streaming, everybody back home, God bless you. We miss you. I, I know you're envious because I've been able to shake hands and greet faces I haven't seen for a long time. Man, it is good. Heaven will be amazing. Amazing. If we've been a year and a half without each other, we're just like, oh, it's so good to see you. We're going to cross over. We're going to see people we haven't seen in years. Imagine. Oh, it's so good to see you again. Amen. That's what we're here for, is so you don't miss that moment. You don't want to miss that moment. That's why this moment is where God can get a hold of your heart and say, I've got a place ordained where I'm going home. Amen. We want to open this camp in a word of prayer. Commit it all to him. I know we did out here in the blazing heat. We'll do it in here in the blazing heat. Because he's priority. Amen. And he's present every aspect of this camp. Amen. Let's just do that here as we pray. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father. What a moment it is to be able to finally stand here. Lord, you have preserved us. You have kept us. You have helped us. You've strengthened us. Lord, when there's been many discouraging moments, times when we've been very low, we've gone through weeks, Lord. The different ones here on the U.S. side, the saints, many weeks, Lord, maybe not a service they haven't been able to come to. And so, Lord, we've been praying that this could be such a refreshing time. Lord, it could be a time where you come and do mighty things in battle, Lord. Lord, you've been moving through the congregation, both sides of the border. Border don't matter to you, Lord. So would you come down here? Would you come down at Cloverdale? 
hell, where they're meeting at the service in the sanctuary. Lord, may your presence be so powerful. May it be so, oh, so tangible, oh God, that they could just reach out and touch the Savior as that little lady had to reach and touch the hem of the garment. Lord, may you move amongst these chairs. May you move amongst the pews. May you go to just a little room, a little house where someone's streaming. And Lord, they just can reach out and grab the hem of your garment tonight, we pray. Lord, and she received strength and she received healing for that action, Lord. So may that be, Lord, on the hearts of your people tonight, that they can, Lord, receive strength. They can receive healing. They can receive deliverance, Lord. Lord, things that have maybe bound them and they come camp after camp after camp. But this is the time, Lord. This is the moment. It's not a camp time experience, but Lord, it's a forever experience. Lord, an experience, Lord, that holds them right on to rapture. So Lord, may you move amongst us. Take Brother Dwayne in your hands. Brother Lawson, Lord, may he be a, an oracle, a vessel, oh God, that your voice can pour through him, Lord. May he not even have control of his thoughts, no control over his lips, but Lord, the mighty God, our Holy, the Holy Spirit would speak so personally to each and every person, whether present or not present, Lord, we pray. We dedicate every moment of this camp, every second, Lord, you have preeminence. Every meeting, every encounter, every service, every every meal, it don't matter where you are, may you be present in every interaction. Lord, and your, your awesome presence would be so real. Lord, it would be, Lord, just, just, just envelop us, we pray. That's why we come to camp. We don't come just to have a social interaction. We come to have a supernatural interaction with our Lord Jesus Christ. So may that be present. This camp, Lord, many, Lord, maybe many before in the past, but this camp, may it be different, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, we commit it into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Rejoice. Amen. Glory. May we have complete control. Glory. This is just the beginning. Just the beginning. Hold on to every moment. Don't let it slip through your fingers. I actually took some water in my hands. I was hiking today. Two thoughts. Water. How, how critical. And how Lord types it. Living water. How we need that. But it just flowed through my hands. Just like it just disappeared. Don't let the services just flow through your hands. Just disappear back into where it came from. Grab a hold of it. Hold on to it. Take every moment you can. Amen. God bless you. I gotta sing a song, so I ain't gonna talk anymore because I'll be out of breath. But Ryan, it's all yours. Well, I have to keep singing, so everybody's gonna keep singing. Go ahead and have your seats. Amen. It's so good to see each and every one of you with us. Certainly appreciate all those who've made the effort to be here. There's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of effort, a lot of challenges people made to be here. Well, except Tyler, he just walked down the hill. But the rest of us not. <laughs> but there's a song that I've been wanting to sing with you before um, Andrew and Michael and I are going to sing before we turn the service to our brother Tom. Uh, overtake me, the verses of this song have just been on my heart, and I've been pondering them and thinking how much of a personal prayer they were for myself when I wrote them years ago and even still 
You know, Lord, my heart is open for whatever you would pour into my life. That's my real desire. Just want to be overtaken by the Holy Spirit tonight and this weekend and just let him have his way. Whatever he needs to do in our lives, we want to just have open hearts to that. So let's sing this together. And then uh, afterwards, Andrew and Michael and I will, will sing. Oh, overtake me with your glory and
physicians tried in vain For twelve long years of pain It's proof that there is nothing they can do But I just heard somebody say There's a healer on the way Somehow I have to press my Jesus. 
get to Jesus. Nice to see everybody here this evening. Welcome to Bible Way Camp 2021. But really it's Camp 2020 and 2021. So whatever effort you put in tonight, I want you to put a double effort in. Alright? This is two camps in one. So I don't want anybody nodding their heads. I want you to say, Glory be to Jesus. We're in the presence of the great I Am tonight. And we're going to rejoice in the goodness of God. He's not a dead God. He's a living God. And we're here to give him all the praise and the glory and the honor to his name. Now, parents, I'm going to say this. This is family camp. This is family camp. Brother Wayne was actually asking me, is this family camp? Is this uh, young people's camp? This is just camp. This is family camp. So now, young people actually need to understand or learn how to praise his name. Come on. They, they need to know that, yep, we can lift up our hands. We can shout glory be to Jesus and not be ashamed. This is a place you can let off the pressure. There's nobody on this grounds that are going to put pressure on you. We just want you to enjoy the presence of the Lord Jesus. So we want to greet you in the name of Jesus Christ and all the saints that have gathered at at the home church at Cloverdale Bible Way. They're looking on here on you. And so they're looking to you to bring the presence of God to them. And may the Holy Spirit bless the saints in Cloverdale as we enjoy one another and, and enjoy the brethren that will be ministering the word of God to us this weekend. We have our precious brother Wayne Lawson from Ohio, and he'll be, he's our evening speaker. Brother Wayne, if you wouldn't mind standing, just so that everybody, you'll, they'll know who you are. We're happy to have you here, brother Wayne. Thank you for accepting the invitation. Brother David Mayer from Switzerland, would you please stand? Of course, we know brother David. God bless you, brother David. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a warm day, huh? It's been a warm day, and it's even warmer in here than I think it's outside, but that's all right. It's a beautiful day. The presence of the Lord has been gracious to us, and we're thankful for the moving of God that's been happening within the local church. And all we are saying is, Lord, more. We want more of Jesus, more and more and more. We don't want to limit him. Young people, if you've come to camp, as I said at the opening comments, if you're expecting, God's going to meet the expectation. For Paul, or David said in the Psalms, our expectation is from him. And if we understand that, our expectation is from him, for him. And so if you're expecting anything from God, and I trust you are, you're going to get what you expect. If you're just wanting a service, that's all you're going to get. But if you want to get filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm telling you the Holy Ghost is here to fill you to overflowing. If you want to have the joy unspeakable and full of glory, God is here to fill your cup. 
And I'm expecting a move of the Holy Spirit to take us over these next few days. And I just want you to come with that great expectation. I appreciate every one of you for coming and being a part of this camp. It really thrills my heart. Seeing each one of you come on the camp, drive on the camp, making those plane trips, going through those COVID tests. I say it's worth it all. It is worth it all. And I'm so thankful that we can come now, bring our licks of fire, and to glorify the King of glory, our lovely Lord Jesus Christ. So I want us all to say, God bless you, saints in Cloverdale. Amen. We love them. I had a special treat today. I told Brother Biscal, I said it was very special for me. One of our young people that was once a, a child at our, our little camp and came up and said, Brother Tom, I, I want you and Brother Biscal to know how deeply I appreciate the original vision of having this camp. He said, as a little child, I didn't understand. I just came to play. I just came to hear at Bible, uh, at my Bible class or whoever was preaching. Now I'm an adult and I see what has been put in so that we could be blessed by God. He said, I just want Brother Biscal to know I appreciate the vision of a pastor. And I want to say to you tonight, I appreciate the vision of our pastor. Is he good? Is he good all the time? Why don't you stand? We'll sing a little chorus. And we'll invite Brother Wayne Lawson to come and minister the word of God to us. And enjoy the word. Pull on the preacher. Amen. And I'll be watching you. Amen. Because I'm going to be pulling this side. He's going to be stretched from corner to corner, Michael. Amen. God is good all the time. God is good all the time.
thing about our God is that he is present with us this evening. Amen. He's, he walks with us and talks with us. Amen. And, and carries us along the way. Amen. It is really a great honor and privilege to be here with you in camp this year. And I uh, want to say God bless you. I bring you greetings from Brother Erickson, our pastor there, True Word Tabernacle there in Ohio. And uh, so we want to want to say God bless you from the family there. I know you know many of them there. And uh, we also would like to thank our Brother Ronnie Long traveling along with us. God bless you, Brother Ronnie. Thank you, amen, taking your time out and coming to support us. Amen. And uh, we see a few familiar faces, many of you I'm, I'm kind of new to and preaching to you. But, amen, we have uh, we have been following along, listening to you, Pastor, for, for many, many years. So I certainly know that you're a well-taught congregation, amen, in the, in the things of the message of the hour. I was just telling Brother Tom today, I said, you know, I've, uh, I've traveled behind Brother Ed Biscoll in India, and uh, I, I preached to people uh, that understood the message of the hour because somebody went ahead of us and printed messages, and, and you, you people labored that someone would have this word and, and to be able to go do that. And so uh, tonight, as many of you speaking to you, that Brother Biscoll is your pastor, and, and I know one thing, that he has established the message of the hour in your heart. Amen. And I, I want to say God bless him for his work. And amen. If, if he's uh, watching or will be watching, I say God bless you and thank you for the opportunity to be here. Amen. And then uh, I want to say it's a real honor to share the platform with our brethren and brother David. God bless you. We've been to his place many times and, and have found a real man of God. Amen. A, a real blessing in him. Amen. And we just want to, of course, give our greetings and, and brother Tom, uh, thank you for the opportunity to be here to speak to you people. God bless you. Amen. And I know I know the Lord will amen reward you greatly. Amen. If we could maybe tonight just to bow our hearts for a word of prayer. Would you really want to see God do something special? Do you know I believe that according to a prophet I'm looking at one of the most powerful forces on the face of the earth. Believer. How many believers do I have? believers the prophet said that in the hands of a believer was an eternal light and when you lay your hand on another believer he said that light passes into their body i wonder tonight would you just lay your hand on someone there by you and let's open this meeting tonight let's ask the holy spirit to come to walk the aisles of this building the corridors of our hearts heavenly father we're here tonight as your children and we've bound our hearts in your presence Lord and we've we've surrendered ourselves to your directions Lord to your being now Father we're we're here Lord because you have made a way that we would be able to say something concerning the end time word Lord that you have sent into this age to help us and Lord to restore us to lead us now Father these young people these families that have gathered in this tent Lord, they've come here for more than just an intellectual teaching. They've come here to have an experience with a mighty God who can change their beings. Who can change the situations of their lives. Now, Lord Jesus, we invite you into this building. 
We invite you under this tent today, Lord, as you have said in your word that you would come where you're invited. A prophet said you would come if you were invited. You've never missed an appointment. And Lord, we come together tonight to invite you into this place. Lord, as believers, Lord, we are declaring our rights to be in your presence where you said two or three are gathered in my name. That you would come in the midst of them. Now as they lay their hands one on the other. Father I pray the needs of these lives Lord. I pray spirits would be broken tonight. Unbelieving spirits of doubts and fears. Lord the spirits of anxiousness and depression. God anything that would stand as a hindrance to the church of the living God. Lord we adjure these things Lord. And we're asking you tonight. That Lord you would drive them from our presence. May God may you bring the burning fire of the Holy Ghost in this meeting, Lord. And may you burn into our beings, Lord, that we could believe every promise of every word that you have spoken over our lives. Now, faithful Lord Jesus, we're asking you tonight that if you would just come upon this meeting now with thy divine presence, in the name of Jesus, we ask it. Amen. And amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Amen. God bless you. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, let's turn to the book of Luke, chapter 24. Thank you, brother. Amen. Uh, Luke, chapter 24. Luke, chapter 24. We're going to go to the uh, 13th verse. I'm sorry, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties. Luke 24 and verse 13. Behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to the other as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleophas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And has not thou the things which are come to pass in these days? And he saith unto them, What things? I always am amazed. And he asked them, What things? A lot of things were happening right then. But he wanted to know what things was on their mind. What things? What are you what are you discussing? What are you what are you talking about? What what things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it would have been him such had redeemed Israel and besides all of this today is the third day since these things were done and yea a certain woman also of our country company made us astonished which were early at the sepulchre 
And when they had found not his body, they came saying that they also seen a vision of the angels which was said to be alive and certain of them were with us that went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman had said but him they saw not then he said unto them O fools and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoke ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded unto them in all the scripture and the things concerning himself and they drew nigh unto the village where they went and he made as though he would have gone further but they constrained him saying abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is spent and yet and he went in to tarry with them and it came to pass as he said it meet with them he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it them And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and vanished out of their sights. And they said one to other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us along the way, and while he opened to us the scripture? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed. He hath appeared to Simon. And they said unto They told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in the breaking of the bread. And as they spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace, be still. Amen. God bless the word this evening. You may be seated. Uh, I would like to, if I can, to maybe speak to you just a little bit this afternoon. And I want to take for a title... The event of his presence. The event of his presence. And I, I've been prayerfully looking over several uh, thoughts throughout the last few months and weeks to, to be able to speak to you and just some things, uh, that from this has, has spoke to me and I pray that it maybe it would speak to you. Um, as I would say this this afternoon, the event of his presence, I think about the time that we're living in and how uh, we're having an event uh, here in this meeting and we're all gathering together. And so uh, sometimes when we talk about events, uh, it's something that happens, thank you, at a giving place and a time. An event uh, is a noun, of course. It's a special set of circumstances or it's a phenomenon that's located in a single point in a space of time. It's the fundamental observation of an entity or relative theory. Uh, it's a phenomena. It's uh, it's a gathering. It's an event. It's when something happens, amen. And when you when you think about uh, something being an event, uh, it's one thing to think about it, but then there's another to say that there would be an event of His presence. Now I'm taking that from the message of the hour out of a message broken cistern some time ago. If it's okay with you, I'm just going to share a few things and, and get into this. But uh, some time ago, I was just going along and, and, and studying some things for the church, and I I started studying a message of Thinking Man's Filter. How many of you ever read it? It's a very powerful sermon. And in the beginning of this sermon, Thinking Man's Filter, Brother Branham begins it by saying uh, he puts out kind of a disclaimer and begins to say, "Now, if this tape would get out in the hands of any." of you people out there he said any of the pastors that don't want it he said now don't worry he said that's not for your people he said that's for my congregation and I think he says it about three times that this that this uh, sermon is for my congregation and then beautifully he turns to the book of numbers 
And he goes over in Numbers, the 19th chapter, and then he begins to read where Moses is being told how to prepare the waters of separation or the ashes of the red heifer. And as he, as, as the Bible is talking about it, it says that Moses is supposed to burn a red heifer and put some hyssop and put some cedar with it. And he was telling all of how Moses was producing now the waters of separation or a filter for sin for the people of Israel. And how Moses was doing it is he took a, a calf out and burned it. And then he put cedar and hyssop and, and he had a procedure of doing that so that the people would have a, a water that they could wash of and then they could have fellowship with God. Well, well, while the Bible is talking about Moses doing this, it says, amen, that this would be a water of separation for the congregation of Israel. So Brother Bram says, notice there, it's for the congregation of Israel. See, you see, a thinking man's filter is for those believers of the message of the hour. Now, our prophet didn't go out there and burn a calf for us or put together some scarlet or some hyssop, but rather he, he gives us the idea in the thinking man's filter and he says now I would maybe rather be a fisherman or he said I'd rather be out hunting or trapping he said but see I'm doing this I'm preaching this word he said to produce for you a thinking man's filter so when we think of of a filter in this age it was made for us by the preaching of the word of God in our age now in another place Brother Branham will say it like this he said now the perfect word which is the waters of separation so it's the place Amen. Where the, where the church of the living God is separated. So the word which has been preached by the message of the hour. Amen. It's a grace of God that it would produce something for you and I. That would separate us. Amen. From the world. It would separate us from the tribulation that was coming. I know many times when the word of God is preached unto us. It sometimes seems a little. Maybe a little bit uh, stiff. Or it seems like it's taken too much away from us. But but God is intended to separate a bride. And that bride could uh, have the benefit of the resurrection and the grace that he has given unto them. Now, in saying that, uh, you, you think about this filter and, and, the, and the waters are, uh, that comes from the message of the hour that the church is able to wash in. Well, then Brother Branham comes along and preaches another message called the broken cisterns. And then he says in the book of Jeremiah, he says it like this. I have two, two, there's been two great evils committed, my people. He said, they have turned unto broken cisterns and they have also forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. Remember that forsaken me. So the fountain they were forsaken was Christ. Amen. Now that fountain that they were forsaking, amen, it was the, it was the word of God, of course. Amen. And, and we find that, of course, that it was him. It was him that they were forsaking. In the message of broken cisterns, Brother Branham comes along. He says this. I think it's very powerful for me it was. And he says, now we're going to read some of God's word tonight. And be ready for the event of his presence again to bring us the word. Amen. Now, who would have ever thought that it was an event of the presence of God just by a man preaching the gospel? Amen. But here was a prophet who was producing something for the church that would separate us just from being another church, but would would make her that word-washed bride of Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, I think and look tonight and realize that we have come to a great event in the age that we're living in. Now, uh, when I when I say this, I want you to recognize uh, I, I'm that guy that if I see something in the 
message where it says that it was an event of the presence. Now I start thinking about every event that ever happened. And, and I go back and begin to study about different events. But you could never maybe uh, think about an event without going to the message modern events made clear by prophecy. Amen. Modern events made clear by prophecy. So we're seeing then that events, a lot of events take place. There's a lot of events taking place in the last day. Amen. But God is foretelling the things that he is doing in the age that we're living in. He's already foretold them in the scripture. And that's the way we know that it's when God is doing it is something has already been written and then is being brought to pass. Now, if you go over to events made clear in, in prophecy, Brother Branham said, I want to speak concerning the Bible. My subject tonight is the topic of modern events made clear by prophecy. Now, the Bible is a different book from all other sacred books. The Bible is a different book. It's a book of prophecy, and it's foretelling future events. Amen. I think that's powerful. It's a prophecy, and it's foretelling uh, the future events. Now, there's a lot of different books. Amen. But there's only one book that tells you the future events, and that is the Bible. Amen. When you go back and, uh, when you go back and begin to look in the, in the Bible, you'll find out the Bible is a different kind of book in that it doesn't just tell us history. Amen. But it's a, it's a book of not just codes and ethics. You can read a lot of books. Amen. You can get books that tells you about history. You can get books that tells you about ethics and you can tell about all kinds of things. But there is not another book like the Bible in that it is codes and it is ethics and it is history. But it's also a prophecy. Amen. And it's telling the past, the present and the future. Now that we watch the Bible, because the Bible is something that tells us of future events. And modern events, Brother Bram will say this. We watch the Bible, for God doesn't leave us in darkness. And he sent the Bible to foretell us of the events before they happened. And their very nature and their very time that they would come. So you 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 have a Bible tonight for the purpose that God could foretell the future. And he could give you the future before it ever takes place. In other words, your Bible is tomorrow's newspaper. Your Bible is telling about things that you're going to face before you ever face them. It foretells, of course, prophecy. Brother Branham says, watch it. He said, God does not leave us in darkness. He sent the Bible to foretell us the events before they happened and the very nature and the very time they would come. Now, if it's something like you're looking on a calendar to see what date it is, maybe you think it's Saturday or Sunday. See, if you look on a calendar, then the calendar will tell you the day it is, and you will see the actions of the people, maybe going to church, you hear the bells ringing, whatever it is. See, look on the calendar, it'll tell you what day it is. And he says, now the Bible, of course, is something that will foretell the day that you're living and what time you're living in and what kind of an event ought to be taking place in this day. You ever mark a calendar and you put on it and you say, well, this is when the event's going to take place. Well, whenever that you can then see the future events by your calendar. Brother Bram said, then the Bible is a thing that is showing you the future events that God himself is going to be doing. He marks it in his own calendar or upon his Bible and then he gives Gives it to the church because this is the Bible that tells us. Now, uh, in modern events, he'll say again, something like a calendar. You ought to look at a calendar to find out what day of the year you're living in. You look at God's Bible to see what age you're living in. And we're not living in a Methodist age or in a Baptist age. We're living in a bride age or the calling or the bringing back to God 
through a channel that he has promised to bring it back in. He promised to do it. Now, Brother Bram is saying then on your calendar, you're living in an age that God has a channel that he has promised to give everything back to the church that they have lost. In other words, he's marked his calendar as a day of restoration. Amen. And we happen to be living in the very day that God has marked what he is going to be doing in that age. See, it's been in every age. People, uh, but people put their own interpretation to it by theology and they don't believe God's divine vindication. See, but, but what somebody else says, but God is promised and, and God proves us what he's going to do by interpreting his own word. He interprets his own word, amen, by vindicating the word in the age that it was sent to do. In other words, he fulfills the promise. He says, I'll do it. And he said, then he fulfills it. And then that's a vindication to you that that is God performing that in the age that you're living in. Amen. Our God is a kind of God that does not ask you to worship him in an unknown way. Amen. You remember when Paul went into, into the a city and found a tomb or an altar made to the unknown God? Amen. It's an agnostic belief. It's an unknown. They just worship. They know not what they worship. But the God that we worship is not that kind of God. He's a kind of God that desires worship, but he, he wants you to know who you're worshiping. And so desires it that he would write it in a Bible and compile it and then protect that Bible to bring it into your hands. And it would foretell the future works that when you see those things happening in your day, that you can identify that is God and then you can follow it with all of your heart. That's why we're not following this message half-heartedly. That's why it's not just an idea or it's just another sermon or another source of information for us to preach a message. But this is the presence of God to the church of the living God that will identify the believer in the age that they're living in. When I look at this, I find that God interprets his own His own word. Now, Brother Bram says, see, we're not living in a Pentecostal age. We're living in another age. Now, it's not a Methodist. We're not living in there, but we're living up here in what we call the bright age, the calling out of the church and getting it together for the rapture. Now, I want to settle your hearts. I'm not trying to preach another church age or an eighth age, but there is to be a gathering of the bride, amen, outside of the husk that Pentecost was. So Brother Man is telling us we're not, amen, a, a, a husk church. We're not a church that's going to represent part of the Christ or a part of the word of Christ. Because the, the bad thing about the husk is it always shared, amen, it always shared its life, amen, with the seed. But the seed can never be manifest as long as it's in that husk. But the moment that the seed is pushed out of the husk, it can fully manifest whatever God has designed that seed to begin with. And I'm so glad tonight to know that we've been brought out from under a Pentecostal tradition and Pentecostal ideas that we can go back to the original word of God. Amen. And everything that God has offered the church is available to the bride of Christ in this hour, in this day. My, when I think about it tonight, then we are not just worshiping as a church. We're worshiping as a bride, as a word bride. Now, this Bible does not contradict itself. This Bible is God. And there is no contradiction in God. He is perfect. See, but the people with their own interpretation. Every time a man interprets the word, he brings a contradiction unto the Bible. Amen. But God himself, do you see, God does his own interpreting. 
See, that's where all of the problems we have today is. That's the, that's the issue with the age we're living in. Do you know that's how Satan is defeating this age? He's devaluing the pure word of God. That's the way he's being successful in this age is devaluing the purity of the word of God. Can, can I say this to you? The moment that man begins to interpret the word, it leaves being the word of God and it's the idea of a man. Amen. When you go back to it, you'll find out man puts their own interpretation to it. That's why we have the Methodist. That's why we have Baptist. That's why we have Presbyterian. That's why every homemade idea in this message has become a denomination and has separated people from the presence of Almighty God. I don't believe Brother Branham wanted us following denomination. I don't believe God desired us, but I don't believe he desired us, amen, to follow homemade things either. Amen. I was studying one day and I was looking here at Babylon, how the prophet said that that angel would call people out of Babylon. But you notice it's not just a call out of a Methodist or a Pentecost or a Presbyterian, but it's out of Babylon, which is confusion. So God is calling the church out of confusion. Now, there's been a lot of people called out of a lot of things, but God is calling you out of confusion. Wherever that confusion is coming, you know that Brother Branham taught us that the Bible predicts there would be a famine in the last day. How many knows what that famine is from? It's not a man of bread and water. It's of the hearing of the pure word of God. It's not that we're not hearing preaching or hearing ideas, but Brother Branham said it's because one man says it this way and another man says it that way. The poor people don't even know what to believe. So it becomes confusion and confusion. The Satan himself is the author of confusion and if he can get you confused he can take you off of the stand of the Holy Ghost where the church has an authority to stand against the enemy but listen God was not desiring to leave us in confusion or homemade ideas or a bunch of things that man made he called us out of confusion by a vindicated word of almighty God Amen. I'll tell you, sometimes I, I've, I, I, can I just, can I just preach to you a little bit and share some things? Amen. I, 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 years ago, I grew up in a little church in Arkansas, a lovely group of people. Amen. A uh, pastor was Brother David Morse, my uncle, the lovely, lovely guy, led me to the Lord, powerful, powerful man. And, uh, he, he, uh, my brother had won, uh, a guy and he wasn't even a Christian, my oldest brother. He wasn't a Christian, but he, he knew about the church and heard about, uh, heard about the meetings and things. And, and, uh, he was, <laughs> I I hate to say what they were doing, but they were out on a Saturday night and they wasn't doing good things. Uh, but the, uh, this friend had come from Chicago and he was a, he was a great big guy. We called him Boomer, if that tells you anything. Amen. He was a great big guy and he was a bouncer for bars. So that was his lifestyle. But he was a teddy bar, uh, a teddy bear. You know, just a real kind guy. And, he, and my brother and him was sitting talking. They was uh, out by a party and they got to talking and they got loose enough. They got talking about the Lord. And my older brother looks over him and said, hey, if you want to serve God, now my uncle's got a real church where they preach the message of the hour down there. And he said, you are to get up and go in the morning. He said, I'll go if you'll take me. So they come in, sit down on the front row where Boomer come in, sit down. He never left. That was his home. He heard the message of the hour one time. Amen. And, and he said, that's the word of God. Now, tell you the powerful thing about that is his name was Stevie, uh, was uh, actually Bandemeyer, Kenneth Bandemeyer. And, and we called him Boomer. But when he went home and told his parents about believing the message and started sharing with them the name William Branham and, the, and all that, his mom said, well, that's funny. She said, because when I was uh, when I was a little girl, she said, I had pneumonia and was dying. And my mom took me to this man's meetings over in Chicago. And I was healed in those meetings. 
And he didn't know anything about the message, but when he come in, and, and it just stuck with him. You know, he's one of them kind of brothers, and he come in, and, and we all loved him. He he would get up and he would sing, couldn't hit a note. But he was but he was sung from the heart. You had to love him. He was such a kind man. And he, and, and, and he couldn't hit a note, so why try, you know? I'm a little bit of that. I can't hardly hit a note, so why try? Just sing, right? So he would just sing from the bottom of his heart, and, and he couldn't remember the words, so why try? He just wrote his own words. So one day he gets up here, and he gets to writing, he gets to writing songs. Inspiration gets on him, and he writes him this song. I don't know why I'm telling you all this, but it's, I, I enjoy it. It's by heart, you know. But he says, uh, he gets up there, and he gets to singing this song. I'm going to lock that devil out and throw away the key. That was his, that was his core. I'm going to lock that devil out and throw away the key. And then he'd start writing verses. And now none of those verses was ever the same. Uh, some of them was, you don't need that old lying devil in your life. Going to lock that devil out. And then he'd say, you don't need that old television in your life. Going to lock that devil. You know, he'd get to preaching. You don't need that old smoking in your life. Going to lock that devil out. Maybe y'all can work with that. You know, uh, but, but it was a funny thing because he would he would get the piano player. And she she was professional nearly. But she would get it kind of in tune. And then all of a sudden, he he would break out in song. And then he, he would look at us and he's starting a verse. And he'd go, everybody. Everybody, and you'd go, everybody, <laughs> because you had no idea what he was about to say. <laughs> See, as good a guy as he was, we wanted to everybody, <laughs> but but it but it was a homemade song, you know. And and sometimes uh, people get homemade ideas. Amen. Now, good homemade song, nothing wrong with that. Amen. But when it comes to the message of the hour, we, we, see, we can love somebody, but when they say, come on, everybody, well, we can't go there. Amen. Because the, my sheep know my voice. Amen. And a stranger they cannot follow. There's, there's a lot of homemade ideas around the message of the hour. Amen. But there's a bride somewhere who's going to stay with the mate of the revealed word of the hour. She has no wound for ideas of man. She has no desire for the amens. And listen, I, I want to say this. It don't take a special woman to have a lot of husbands. It takes a special woman to stay with one husband. And, and God was looking for a bride that would stay with the message of the hour. Do you see? Without that pure word of God. Now, now it's telling us that God himself would have his own interpretation. I, I, I love to think that God, when he interprets his word, it brings me out of confusion. In the book of Luke, the fourth chapter, it was our Lord Jesus that came in to the temple, the synagogue. You know, maybe they thought it was just another service. It was just another morning. Uh, they were just going to have a reading. The Messiah was on the earth, but they didn't know it. Uh, he was right there walking among them, but they didn't know it. And, 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 and the very Messiah who had been prophesied from the Garden of Eden. That, that, that woman's seed who became Abraham's seed, who was Ezekiel's will in the will. You know, that Messiah walked into the platform and they delivered unto him the scrolls. And you know, the Bible records in Luke chapter four that when they gave him the scrolls, that it said when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. Can you imagine Jesus searching through the prophet's prophecies? And looking for a certain place. 
Amen. Because there was an event that was happening that morning that nobody knew was taking place. But the Messiah was looking for it in the scripture to be able to identify himself because God does not have another interpreter. Amen. Only the Messiah could interpret his own word. So when he took the Bible and he opened the book, he found the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, y'all know, has 66 books in it. Just 66 chapters, just like the whole Bible. And since it was the Old Testament, they didn't have the whole Bible, but they did have the book of Isaiah. And in the book of Isaiah, it had been recorded that when the Messiah come, that the Spirit of the Lord was going to be upon him. Oh my. Amen. Didn't John record that happened in the book of Matthew? Didn't John say, I bear record the Spirit of God descended upon him? And still they didn't know that the Spirit of God, but now the Messiah was taking his own word and he was saying, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the, the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that were bruised. Amen. For every blind man, they were receiving their day. For the poor, they were receiving their hour. Amen. Do you see? God was releasing an anointing at the same time that the scriptures was being fulfilled. Amen. I tell you this morning, it might not have been a different morning there in that synagogue, but when Jesus said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears, now the confusion of Isaiah was over. Amen. The gospel was being preached with an anointing, an anointing that would fulfill the word of the Lord, preaching to them the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. Amen. And he closed the book and their eyes were fastened. Amen. I think it's amazing when he told them this day, this scripture is fulfilled. They tossed him out of the synagogue. Amen. They threw him out in the hour of fulfillment. They threw him out. Oh my, I hope you're hearing me. Look in that Revelations, the third chapter, and see that when God is in the hour of fulfilling Scripture, again they throw Him out. They didn't throw Him out feet first. They threw Him out head first. Because they wasn't mad at His feet. They was mad at the revelation that had identified the Scripture in the hour they were living in. I tell you something today, God again is identifying Himself in the age that we're living in. Maybe it didn't seem like a a great big morning, but they were having a tremendous morning. They were having a tremendous hour. Maybe some were sick sitting there. Maybe some were discouraged sitting there. Maybe some had family problems sitting there. But the answer to every problem was speaking to them. The anointing for every healing. The anointing that would give life and bring back a restoration was speaking unto them. I don't know if he raised his voice. I don't know if he shook his head. Amen. But I know he was the anointing one who was bringing the word in that hour. My, when I think about it, I think about that event that was taking place. Now some even after, even after, amen, these great things were happening. Many people still didn't even know. Pharisees were watching him. And look what he began to say unto them. Search the scriptures. Amen. For them, you think you have eternal life. And they are those which testify of me. Isn't it something that the Messiah was on the earth and he couldn't get a Pharisee to testify of his presence? The Messiah was on the earth and they wouldn't testify to who he was. 
But Jesus, amen, he knew where his testimony was. And he said, is it not written in the scriptures? Look at what he said. You can only condemn one. You condemn Moses. Whom you say you believe Moses. But had you believed Moses, you would believe me. Because Moses wrote about me. It's amazing that he said, search the scriptures. For in the scriptures, the Messiah had things he was going to do. And then you would identify the Messiah by the scripture. Now God has wrote in his Bible. And Brother Bram said he wrote it by the prophets. And he wrote his Bible in his own chosen way. Now, if God wrote the Bible, he wrote it by prophets. Then if you're going to interpret the Bible, God's going to do it by prophets. Amen. Now, now God reserves the interpretation to himself. Now, God wrote this Bible in a chosen way. He wrote it himself. So he interprets it himself. Now, uh, I, I was I was actually studying this one day. I thought it was very uh, remarkable. It was years and years ago. I was looking into this. Uh, God interprets his own word. And I was, I was actually meditating over the seventh seal and how it speaks for itself. And I was meditating on God, interpreting what man couldn't understand. And, uh, I, I was sitting there listening to brother, brother, uh, Donnie Reagan was singing a song, had it playing on my computer. And my Bethany, who is now 18, was actually just her and I, her mom was helping with a homeschool group there. And she was teaching the other two. And Bethany was hanging out with dad while I was studying. And she was over there just in her diaper. Man, she was dancing to brother Donnie's song. You know, she was just having a good time and I don't know how old she was she's still in diapers so uh, but but she she seen me over there she come and wrote me a note you know she 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 just pinned me a note this beautiful little note she come over and in the middle of me studying she hands me this note and I said uh, thank you Bethany thank you and I look at the note and I kind of turned over I just give it back to her and uh, she said no daddy it's for you and I looked at the note and I gave it back to her she said no daddy it's for you do do you know what it means I said, my goodness, an education for Purdue wouldn't help that. It wouldn't matter where you went to school because it was just scribbling and colors and, and all kinds of things. You know, there was only one person in the world could tell you what that meant. It was the one that wrote it. And I said, what does it mean, Bethany? She said, it means I love you, Daddy. That's what it means. It means I love you. And do you see God, when he puts things in the word, he alone has the ability to interpret that word. And to those that find the meaning of that word, it means God loves you or you are that bride member that he has ordained to see these things in this age. Now, Jesus himself drew near to them. Now, I don't have time to go into all the depths of this scripture, and I know you're well taught. So I just want to draw a few points from this. But you see that when we when we read the Bible, we can read how that Jesus would go to Zebulon, or it would detail that he would be born of a virgin. You see, it was a direct prophecies or translations. But how many realizes that there are things written in the Bible that are actions, and the actions themselves are prophecies? You, you ever notice that? You ever notice how that the Bible said, "I am God, and I change not." Then, then when Brother Branham wrote the church age book, do you, do you know the key of, of discernment he had to tell you who the church age messengers were? The key Brother Branham used to tell you the messengers of the ages. He said, this is the key. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he could understand the manner of ministry and identify Jesus in those ministries because his nature remains to be the same. 
God's nature never changes. So if you ever saw God do something, you know what he's going to do next time. My, uh, my father-in-law down there in Arkansas, he, he, he brings the martins in. Have you ever seen martin birds? They, they're important in Arkansas. They eat them mosquitoes. They, they eat their weight mosquitoes. So everybody wants the martins, you know. But, but they're very picky about the houses they pick. So you have to put them up and so high and it has to be cleaned out and turned in a certain direction, degrees even. So, so he gets all that right. We're standing out there in the yard one day and, and, and my father-in-law looks up and he sees a bird flying, comes around that Martin house and I looked at Vernon and I said, Brother Vernon, uh, uh, what's that? He said, I, I said, oh, that's a Martin. He said, uh, they're, they're, they're going to be moving in here in about a week and a half. I don't remember what the dates was, but it was like a week and a half or two weeks. He told me exactly. He said, when they'd be moving in, I, I looked at him kind of, man, I said, I didn't know you were so, so well studied on the Martin birds. <laughs> he laughed at me. He said, no, he said, that's the, that's their scout. He said, when they send that bird, he said, you can mark it on your calendar. It's so many days. He said, if he approves that house, he's the guy. He said, the whole flock will come in a few days. I said, how do you know that? He said, well, they did it last year. Do you know, as long as there is a Martin bird, they'll do it the same way. Amen. And God is, amen, the creator of that bird. And his nature don't ever change. So if you see God do something a certain place, you just watch. He'll do that again. Because he's the God of nature and his nature never changes. That's why you can look in the Bible and see actions of people. And how those actions, amen, reflect Jesus Christ in future ages. So, amen, not just in written scripture, but in lived actions. I think the greatest testimony to what I'm trying to say, if you go over in the book of Genesis. And there's about, I think, something like 13 chapters that is that is given to a man named Joseph. Have you ever read about Joseph and, and his life? It's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful story in the scripture, the preservation of the seed of Judah and the importance of of of, of Joseph's life and how he would prefer, preserve that seed. Amen. A perfect type of Jesus Christ. How he would be loved to the Father. He would wear the colors of the covenant. Remember, amen, he would be killed or, 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 or they thought he was dead and they would put blood on the robe and tell his father he was dead but he hadn't died he had been lifted to a throne where he was the lord of all the earth and he was from there saving not just the jew but the jew and the gentile but the jews didn't know he was alive do you see do you see jesus in that entire story I don't have time to preach it, but I'm, I'm trying to get the point. Amen. Do you see? It was Jesus in that story. So then when Jesus comes into the New Testament and he starts doing the things that were written in Joseph, now Joseph's life is being interpreted as being the life of Jesus in a shadow. And now you can see, now we're standing here today and we can look back on that and say, if God did that in Joseph and Jesus was the interpretation, well, Joseph also had a wife, didn't he? And before, amen, before Joseph could reveal himself to his brethren, the wife had to go into the palace. So we already know what happened in the past. We know what's happening today. And I know what's about to happen in the church of the living God. Because we see it in the prophecy. And I begin to see the prophecies of scripture being revealed. Amen. There's another powerful point here in modern events that's made clear by prophecy. Made clear by prophecy. So Luke 24 is prophecy. Do y'all know Romans, the seventh chapter, is prophecy. Amen. Luke 24 is prophecy. So what you're seeing them do in the natural is only a prophecy of what God was going to do in your generation. Now, God put on the calendar of time 
that he was going to perform exactly what he's doing in Luke 24. He was going to do it for another age, for another time. Now, if you see what he did in that age, then you see what he's going to do. Then when he does it, you can identify it as God. When you look at this, you see that Jesus himself, after his death, burial, and resurrection, meets two men walking on the road to Emmaus. They're, they're walking. They're on the road. They're discussing like anybody would the current events, things that has happened. Amen. And, and Jesus comes out as they're talking about him. Brother Bram takes a lot of time to explain. He comes near when you talk about him. And as he steps out upon the road, the Bible doesn't say that one like Jesus stepped out. But it said the Lord himself stepped out. Amen. That's exactly paralleling the scriptures that Paul discussed would happen in this age. And it was the Lord who stepped out. But see, they didn't see that it was the Lord. They didn't understand that it was the Lord. So the resurrected Jesus was with them, but they didn't know he was. So they was not drawing anything from his presence. He was present. He was there. He was there in resurrection power. But they wasn't getting anything from it because they were not aware of his presence. Because their eyes were holding. Now the scripture says that he walked with them. And I've always thought it was amazing when he begins to talk with them. And he said, what are you doing? What is this communication you're having? And they said, well, do you not know these things? He said, what things? I, I, I think about that a lot. What things? I imagine if it was in modern terms, uh, maybe they would have said, you not watch Fox News or what? Do you not know that COVID is plaguing the world? Do you not realize that we've been under mandates and masks and people are dying and vaccine wars and troubles are everywhere? Can you imagine what, what the communication that was in that day was the same thing in this day? Oh, surely we thought we'd have been out of here by now and we would have never reached this time and we would have never had to deal with these kind of things. We, we thought it was all sold up and, and, and we were going to go and Brother Branham went and the church was not ever going to have to transition without, without the prophet among them. And, and can you imagine all of the stories that would be told today had it been in that day? What kind of communication? So there was a lot of things happening and he wanted to know where their focus was. What, what things? You see, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks what things had their focus what things had their ideas well i tell you whatever things had their idea they were sad as they walked Amen. Whatever they were thinking about had saddened their hearts. Whatever they were studying on had put them in a place where Jesus didn't like what was going on in their communication. And he began to call them out and said, oh, you full of slow of hearts and you fools to believe all the prophets had spoke concerning. And Brother Branham said what he did. He said then he began to appeal unto prophecy. Now, this is something that I think is a life lesson to a believer, to a Christian. Is whenever there is a situation or condition happening in our lives or in the world around us. Amen. That we must always realize that whenever the enemy comes like a flood. Amen. The Bible said God shall raise his standard. Is that right? When the enemy, that's not if, is it? 
that says when the enemy comes like a flood. So he's coming. And Brother Branham says, I'm here to tell you he's here. I'm a Paul Revere to you. The devil is here. He's not coming. He's here. He's here. He's brought all the devils of hell with him. But if that's your focus, then you're focusing on the darkness. You're focusing on the trouble. You're focusing on the divisions. You're focusing on the criticisms, all the ideas. And after a little while, that dark mind will swallow you up and bring you into anxieties and depressions. and ner- Can you imagine people depressed in the presence of the resurrected God? Now, it's because of the focus. It's the focus of their hearts. It's what their mind is upon. Amen. Do you see when the enemy comes like a flood that God will raise the standard? So I don't want to, I don't want to be determining on what the enemy is doing. Let me ask when the enemy comes, what's God going to do? That's what I want to see. What's God going to do? Well, I'll tell you what the Bible said. He said he would, amen. He would come from the West in that season and the Redeemer shall come unto Zion. Amen. Do you hear what God's going to do when the enemy comes? The Redeemer's going to come to Zion. Who knows who the Redeemer is that's Christ who knows what Zion is that's the bride so when the enemy comes like the flood God's going to open the word and descend into the church of the living God God's going to come and fight the battle for the church we're not here by ourselves we're not walking this walk all alone there's a God in the midst of the church hey when I think about what has brought the presence of God into our church there's an approach there's an approach and that approach is an appeal to prophecy so when you're facing that you have to you have to approach the scripture and appeal to the prophecy that's exactly what he did amen do you see what brother Branham says it like this he said he began to walk with them about a six hour journey he said they got a six hour sermon on prophecy brother I wish they would have taped that one wouldn't that have been nice to have on tape a six hour sermon on prophecy amen now you gotta you gotta ask yourself now where would you start a sermon like that where would you have you ever wondered what would have been Jesus's opening scripture to them amen what what kind of scripture did he open with our Lord Jesus, when he was walking on the road, you know what he opened with? He opened with Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter. Brother Bram said he began with Moses. He began with Moses, Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter. The Lord our God shall raise up a prophet like unto you. He was showing them before he ever started quoting Isaiah. Before he would ever quote Ezekiel or Malachi or David, he was showing them, amen, that God was using prophets to write the Bible. He was, he was verifying his credentials. In other words, my identity's not coming from a crackerjack box. Amen. I'm not going to make something up along the way, but he began with the prophets and identified the prophet as God's voice that had wrote out the scriptures. And then he began to walk through the scriptures of Deuteronomy 18. For the Lord God shall raise a prophet up like unto you. And then Brother Bram said that he began to appeal unto prophecy. Are, are you okay if we if we take a little time and look into this? Amen. He appealed to prophecy. Amen. I, I, I think of the of the power of these scriptures. Amen. When when he begins to walk into this, the Bible says here, Amen. That they they begin to uh, look upon it, and he goes right into quoting himself through the word so the word is quoting the word about himself that's pretty powerful 
Amen. Now look, Zechariah says, he quoted Zechariah, for he was sold with 30 pieces of silver. Was not the Messiah supposed to be sold? Now these boys knew he had been sold out. And he picks Zechariah. He has been sold for 30 pieces of silver. In Psalms 41 and 9, he was betrayed of his friends. They knew Judas had betrayed him. He was forsaken by his disciples. They knew they had run off and left him in an hour in need. He was accused of false witnesses. They knew what Pilate had said. He was dumb before his accusers and never opened his mouth. They knew they wanted him to defend himself and he wouldn't do it. And here he is taking the scriptures that described his very actions. That described the actions of the disciples. What they had done only not days before was now being showed to them with 600 year old words written in the Bible. My, amen, do you see what he did? Amen, he, he went into the scriptures and would have talked about his own birth and how it was predicted in Isaiah that a virgin shall conceive. He would have told of the, of the birth in Bethlehem. And then he moved and began to talk about his own crucifixion. And then in the crucifixion, he didn't leave it in crucifixion. Then he began to say that he would not suffer his Holy One to see corruption, neither his soul in hell. In Psalms 22, he says a bone was not broken, but he pierced his hands and his feet. How many knows Brother Bram said when he quoted that one, he hid his pierced hands behind his back. He kept it from them while telling them the word. Look what he was doing. In Psalm 16 and 10, he was resurrected from the dead. In Malachi 3, he was showing John the Baptist would have been his forerunner. Exactly what had happened was exactly what he was showing from the scripture. I think of Genesis 22, he would have taught them of how Isaac was going to be offered. Amen. And God instead gave them the word to be manifested and crucified. Do you see what it was? Amen. It was this that he unfolded the word for six hours. But then it started coming down to the evening. And it started getting to the end of the journey. And he had to prove what he was talking about. For six hours he took Bible prophecy and compared it with what had happened and what had been. But you see there was a certain sign that the Messiah had prophesied from the book of Isaiah that he would perform among the church and it would be a Messiah sign or known as a super sign. So right in the evening time to open their eyes, the Bible says that he act like he was just going to pass by and they constrained him. To come in. I think it's a powerful thing. When they begin to ask him to come in. When they ask him to come in. Do you know the Bible teaches us. That he did something. He did something. That made himself known. Amen. Do you all know. That brother Branham taught us. What he did in that room. He told us exactly what he did in that room. He performed a super sign that was only given to the Messiah himself. And that sign was to discern the intent of the heart. Do you see that was the same way he made himself known to a little woman at the well. That's the same way he made himself known unto Philip and told him that he knew him before Nathaniel came unto him. That's the same way that he made himself known and again he was doing the same thing in that room in the 
evening time and he was opening their eyes by that Messiah sign. Oh, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you in the ages that we're living, we've heard a lot of preaching. We've heard a lot of comparisons of scripture. We've seen a lot of signs among the church, but God still has a super sign to prove that that is God speaking to the church. It is an everlasting sign. He remains to be Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know Brother Branham announces this in modern events and says that we are living in the same time that they were living? We're living in the evening time, and in the same time we're living now. We are promised in the last days, amen, that God would do this. Now, in the evening time, he would open their eyes. He would bring them back to a revelation of his resurrection. They knew all about the crucifixion. They knew all about the death. But what they didn't know is that he had arisen from the dead. And he was there preaching to them. He was there speaking to them. Now, I, I say that today. I think it's a powerful thing to me. Hey, Amen. I, I, I'm happy to be able to look into these things. And to recognize that there's more going on here. Amen. Than trouble. There's more going on here, amen, than just the problems of this Laodicean age and the trials that are all around us. You know, amen, Brother Branham says it, amen, when they when they started looking at him, he began to talk to them and commune with them and ask them about their problems. Amen, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about, amen, what they were looking at and what they were seeing? It's a powerful thought. What they were looking at and what they were seeing, it was totally different. They were looking at one thing and seeing something else. They, according to scripture, were seeing a stranger. According to scripture, they seen a stranger talking with them. But they were looking at the woman's seed. They were looking at Isaiah's prophecies. They were looking at the very Redeemer who was going to change their entire lives. They were looking at the Messiah. They were looking at somebody. I, I tell you, I can't help to think about this. They were looking at somebody, Brother Murphy, amen, that was standing in a body that could walk through those walls. They were looking at somebody who had come, amen, from the very presence of God and had already been glorified and they were talking to him and didn't know it. You think about this. Jesus had already went to heaven by the time they talked to him. Do you know while they were talking to him that every debt they ever owed has already been paid? Do you know that every sin question in their life had already been answered? They were looking at the answer to every problem they had ever had. And they were still focusing on something else. Oh, church of the living God, we do not want to focus our lives on the problems of this age and the struggles and the troubles that are going, God, help us to turn our eyes and look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the hour we're living. I tell you, if you want your life to change, Change, change your focus. If you want your heart to change, change your focus. Quit looking at this world and the trials of this world. It's time to look. It's time to look at Jesus. Oh, come on, church. You know when David seen the Philistines gather in the valley, the Bible tells us that he went and prayed and asked the Lord what to do. Them Philistines was in that valley to destroy him. But I imagine David just turned his back on the enemy and watched a mulberry tree because he knew when this tree begins to shake that it'll be a season that I can destroy my enemy. Oh, church, all you got to do is look tonight that when God is fulfilling his word... 
It's the season of the bride to destroy the enemy that she's standing in front of. Listen, you don't have to sit here tonight with those struggles, those trials. There's a resurrected God who has come down in the midst of the church. And he promised it, see. He promised it. Amen. That what he did then, he will do it again. What he did then, he will do again. This was a ministry after the resurrection. How many believe Jesus has a ministry after his resurrection? Sure, it was a ministry after his resurrection. But this was only a few days after his resurrection. But it was foretelling of 2,000 years of church that would live. But in the last days, the same Jesus that was in the scripture will return again in like manner and open the word unto the bride of Jesus Christ. My, when I look at that tonight and realize that this is Jesus himself that has took the scroll in his own hands and has flipped through the pages to find the hour we're living in and told you this day this scripture is fulfilled in your midst it's happening in the evening time you ever notice when it happens it's the third day isn't that powerful it happens in the third day well if you're on Friday Sunday's the third day isn't it odd how he will announce different days and it's, it's not even all the day he's talking about In other words, it's not at all the third day. It's actually the first day of the week. But because you're counting from the resurrection, it's death, burial, and resurrection. It's the third day since he had been buried. So the third day is a representation of a time. It's not the, the, whether it's a Sunday or whether it's a Monday, it's a third day. My goodness. Now, now you could go long and deep in that, and I won't. But I will say this. It's very important to the church. Because it was a third day, light came. Remember? Life came. To the world on the third day. That's a Tuesday. It's a Tuesday actually from the day of creation. That's when the Bible put a double good on the third day. It is good. It is good. Many many of the Israel weddings are held on a Tuesday because it's the third day of the week. And God counted it double good. Oh church. Now it's a third day. Think about it. It's a third day. And what's he doing? He's opening the scriptures unto them. In the third day. That's when he's doing it. Do you know if you go to Matthew chapter 24. That there's three questions asked Jesus. Remember what shall be the sign of your coming. When shall these things be. And and, and he he lays out these three questions. Brother Bram said see. But it's on a Tuesday. He said it's a Tuesday in April. He said that he asked these questions in the morning. He said but in the evening. Of that Tuesday. He began to open up the word. How many knows Matthew 24? All the seals are found right there. All six seals. The only one is not the seventh. Amen. But we know why the seventh ain't found. Because it's the seventh doing the talking. He's the one writing the prophecy. Watch that. It was on the evening of the third day in Matthew 24 that he told them the answer to their questions. It's the evening of the third day here in Luke 24 when he opens the word and then confirms it with his own personal presence. Now look at this when we, when we see this, this third day. Of course it means something to the church because the prophet told us that the church would go into denomination and go into dark ages and the seed would be planted. He said, look at what they did. Look at what they did to Christ. He said, they hung him on a Roman tree. He said, so have they hung this bride tree on a Roman creed. And he said, they left it there till it died. And then it went in dark ages. Remember it? 
He said, but watch now. He said, on the third stage of it, in the third day, he said, we'll see it come up from Martin Luther and John Wesley. And then we'll see the Holy Ghost come back upon the church. There will be a resurrection out of dark denominationalism, not for the bridegroom, but for the bride of Jesus Christ. There will be an evening Easter that will prove the same thing for the bride that it did for the bridegroom. Now, now in saying that, I'm saying that to, to get to this point, that in the third day, it was in the morning time there went out a rumor that he was alive. But in the evening, he proved it. Do you see what happened in 1906 when the Pentecostal blessing began to fall and the restoration of gifts began to happen? That was not a restoration. It was a reformation. It was a restoring of gifts, not a restoring of the word. And look what they done with that rumor. Look, they turned the world upside down with a rumor he was alive. But in the evening of the third day, Christ performed something among the church that could identify his presence in the bride of Jesus Christ. You ought to be able to cast down every devil. You ought to throw down every unbelief. This message is true. The third day. Now, I, I, I'm, I, I'm just that guy, sorry. But I got to know who that friend is walking with Cleophas. How many of you ever put yourself in a vision? Brother Bram said there's room there. Put yourself in it, right? You got enough faith to read yourself in the vision? Amen. Isn't it beautiful? He didn't name the friend. He just said Cleophas and his friend. So when he didn't name him, he gave me a place to put my name in that vision. Amen. I'm one of his friends walking on the road. Amen. Getting the confirmation of the resurrection in the evening, in the last day. That's me in the scripture. That's you in the scripture. <laughs> now you're very familiar. I know you're taught well. And amen. You're very familiar with a, 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 a vision. Brother Abraham's of uh, the mamba there in, in the paradox. Remember he tells this black mamba story and how he comes up and he says, I'm walking on this path. He said, I'm walking on the way to the promised land and everybody's got fear and everybody's scared. He said, I see this, this mamba coming out. He said, means fear and death. He said, everybody's afraid of it. He said, I'm walking on it, but the mamba can't get me. Remember? He said, but I had a friend with me. And he said, that friend, he said, that mamba kept trying to get him. He said, dear Lord, he's going to get him. If something don't happen, he's going to get him. Amen. I, I looked everywhere to find out who that friend was. Brother Bram didn't say who it was. He just said, it's my friend. Y'all give me a little liberty here. Y'all give me a little liberty. Do you know what the Bible says? It said, he that receives a prophet in the name of a prophet receives the reward of a prophet. Amen. Somebody said, Brother Branham, what is the reward of a prophet? He said, it's to be the friend of a prophet. Well, let me tell you, amen, I'm that friend that was walking. Amen. I'm the friend that felt the power of God that could stop the bite of the mamba in the last days. Listen, I don't know what the devil's doing to you, but if you can identify yourself in the vision of God's word, you have been given authority to place every devil under your feet, to place every power under your feet. Come on pride. We are not just a lukewarm Laodicean church. We have felt the power of the resurrection. Identify the age we're living in. I feel a power of restoration moving to the church. A prophet of God said it. He said, he said, of course, amen, God is going to restore in the last days. 
Now, if I'm going to preach to you restoration, then I've got to, then I've got to appeal to the prophecy of scripture to see that that restoration is coming from God. You know, when we think about this tonight, we think about God promising things and how he would, how he would restore. Do you know it's written in the book of Matthew, the 17th chapter? He said that I shall restore. He said Elias would come first though. Now, now that's, that's a very key point for you. For you young people, I want you to remember something right here with me. Can, can I get you? Amen. Always and only. Can you say it with me? Always and only. Now don't never forget this. Always and only. God always and only brings his word to a prophet. Always and only does God bring his word to a prophet. If God's going to restore you, he can only restore you by the word. But that word can't just come to anybody. It's got to come to a prophet and it's vindicated. And once it's vindicated, you receive it as the presence of Jesus Christ. When you identify that a promise has been identified by interpretation, it is God coming to you in power and in reality. I know people think he changed, but he's not changed. The scripture said the heavens must receive Jesus Christ until the restitution of all things. People want to tell me that Malachi 4 was a man named John the Baptist. Amen. Well, if it was John the Baptist, he didn't restore all things. But the Bible does say all things shall be restored. Do you know that it promises in Joel chapter 2? God said, I shall restore, saith the Lord. I shall restore, saith the Lord. How many realizes there was four bugs of death that ate at the church? Do you know Brother Branham teaches us that there is three stages to a birth, but there are four stages to a restoration? He teaches us that, doesn't he? He teaches us from the seed, and he goes into it and tells us that Martin Luther, and then he goes right into it, a stalk, a tassel, a husk, and then he brings a seed. See it in Joel 2. You can see it in Ezekiel 37. You can see it all over the Bible that God brings his presence in full restoration. Look what he said. I shall restore, saith the Lord. Do you know nobody else can put this back? Nobody else could do it. I, I know I've seen some of your mothers sitting here tonight and you got young children at home. Now let me, let me just give you a little parable here. Can you imagine taking a, a four-year-old child and turning them loose in your house for an entire day? Let's not give them, let's not give them six weeks. Let's give them a full day. Let's let them take a full day in the house and you walk back in that house and see if anything's in its place. It's all out of place. Amen. Now, here's the kicker. Go in there and threaten that four-year-old to put it back or you're going to spank it. And give it two weeks to put it back. And it still won't be put back. You know why? Because it don't know where it goes. Because it wasn't the one that put it there to begin with. And when God put the word there, a bunch of theologians have come along and they have distorted the vision of God. And for 2,000 years, they have eat away from the true doctrines of Christ. <laughs> now, they built all kinds of schools to put it back, but it ain't back by their schools. They did all kinds of preaching and all kinds of churches, but it can't put it back. Can't do it, friends. Man's intelligence can't go that high. But the one that put it there to begin with, he said, I shall restore, saith the Lord. He's going to give it every bit back. Amen. You are not in a season of taking. 
That was a season, brother, when the church was losing. That was a season when the bark was leaving and the leaves were leaving and the life was leaving. That was a season that was happening. But that's not your season. (laughs) Go to the scripture. Identify yourself. You are in the season of restitution. Everything the devil take is going to be brought back to the church of the living God. Are you hearing me? Everything that was taken from you will be restored to you in the last days. God has promised, I shall restore, saith the Lord. He's going to give it all back. Do you see what's happening right now? The devil is no different than he's ever been. There's as much trouble as there's ever been. Circumstances are no different than they've ever been. But in the middle of the circumstances, he said, I'll give it back to you. Amen. Can can I just bring this to you? Amen. Those bugs that were on that tree, that ate that tree, and it's it was healthy. Brother Murphy, it was healthy. And those bugs ate it down. But in the last days... Them bugs are still here. And the tree was not healthy. But because God had reversed it by the spoken word, the tree is restored in the middle of the bugs, in the middle of Satan's Eden. The tree comes back to fruit-bearing stages. My poor daddy used to, he used to always want a fruit tree. We lived down in northern Arkansas when I was growing up with plum trees and, and, and he wanted play, he wanted an orchard. It's so bad. He'd plant them plums and, and, and every year, long it'd get, we'd get a little, little heat wave in March and there'd be nice blooms come on the tree and he'd say, why are we going to have a good, good bunch of plums this year? About three days later, there'd be a frost hit. We went out there, we covered them trees with plastic. We put smudge pots under them. We done everything we could do to keep them blooms from falling off. But that frost was, it just, we couldn't fight the frost. It was just too cold. The conditions were controlling the blooming of those trees. But there is a tree in Psalms chapter 1 where he said, Amen, that it shall not wither. And God shall bring forth his fruit in his season. And in the middle of the coldest of all of the ages, there is a bride tree that's producing the fruit of the Son of Man the same as it was. In the Bible, it is producing again, and the devil can't stop it. Hallelujah. He can come against your family, but he can't stop it. He can send COVID, but he can't stop it. Trials can come, but he can't stop it because life has returned to the church. A word has been spoken. A word has been prophesied over the church of the living God. That's you. That's you walking with a prophet and the mama can't touch you and the world can't touch you. You have been protected by the spoken word of God. When God said, I shall restore, that means you got a right to enforce every claim. You got a right to enforce every claim. I shall restore, saith the Lord. You said, Preacher, my, you're getting a, no, it's according to what you're focusing on. If you're looking at all this nonsense in the world, this will trouble you. But if you turn your focus to what God is doing, it's easy to say amen. It's easy to believe that we're serving a God that after 2,000 years, he's unconquered. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. They couldn't change him in the Baptist church. They couldn't change him in the Lutheran church. He's the same right now as he ever was. And he's been brought back to the bride through the spoken word. A vindicated, a vindicated allotment to the age. 
I believe we should appeal to the prophecy. In John chapter 14, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. <laughs> now, I know the Trinitarians make three out of that. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. But I just love it when you keep reading. Even the Spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know me. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now, I don't mean that I don't have several days to preach. I mean, I don't have time to preach in these areas. But if you like to study it, there's a class of people called a ye class of people. It's a very powerful study. It's a ye class. That's the kind that sees Jesus. The ye class. Yet ye shall be with you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. Oh my. Now the one that's doing the talking is the same one that says he's going to come unto you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come a little while and the world will see me no more. But ye, but ye shall see me because I live, ye live also. And at that day, how many knows what day that is? That's my day. That's the day of the bride of Jesus Christ. It's on the calendar. In that day, ye shall know me. My, I will be with you even in you on that day, that third day. The evening of that third day, I won't be with you. I'll be in you. It's on the calendar. This is a planned event. This is a production of Jesus Christ in the form of the bride. He has changed mask. It's a different drama, but it's the same Jesus. Oh my. In Isaiah 9, he said, a child shall be born. A son shall be given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. Name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Priests. Now, you might wonder how I'm appealing to that to prove the presence of Christ in the church. How many knows Brother Bram taught us that the government should be upon his shoulders? How many knows what the shoulders is? The shoulders is the body. Brother Bram said the body, the bride body. Now, if, if the bridegroom was predestinated, so is the bride. She's predestinated body and the head has come upon that body, which makes you his earthly strength. You are the earthly strength of God by the promise that he has placed in this hour. Now, of course, spoken word original seed, Brother Bram said it's the prophecy that Christ would be upon his church. <laughs> it's his earthly strength. Now, if you'd like to read the book of Daniel, I can appeal to Daniel chapter 12 to tell you the same story. In Daniel chapter 12, the Bible said, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. And many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. And then Daniel looked, remember what he looked and he saw. Amen. Remember he saw the river and he saw one standing on one side of the river and one on another. And he said, when should this be? When is the time of this end? And he said, I looked and saw a man standing on the water clothed in white. Brother Bram said, now what does that mean? He said, it means that Daniel was seeing the Holy Ghost on the people. That the waters represented the people. So Daniel was seeing the end time sign was going to be when the word was opened, Christ would be on his people. That was the sign 
that you're in the season of the end time. When you're looking at the scriptures, you can see the one clothed in white was the Holy Ghost. If you look for the prophecy in Matthew, the Bible tells us in the 14th chapter that the disciples went out in the ocean and a great storm arose. Remember it? And remember right in the middle of the storm, in the middle of that condition, here comes one walking on the water. Brother Ben said, there he is prophesying of his resurrection, of his ministry in the end time, that Christ would come to you walking on the water. My, when they saw him, they was afraid. Could them, it was a stranger. But the closer that he got, he began to identify himself. It is I. Be not afraid. Do you see the condition they were living in? The conditions was horrible. The condition was a storm. But in the middle of that, God identified his presence. What an event to have been into. He come walking to them on the water. Do you see in this event in the end time? He says, see, God has raised from the dead and he is among us. The last part of this restoration will be the word itself or his divine presence. The word is to be restored to us. In Deuteronomy 18, it said God would send a prophet. In Luke 17, it said the Son of Man should be revealed. In Matthew 24, it said as the lightning cometh from the east and the west, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. So the revealing and the coming of the Son of Man will be the same thing. Now, I'm not trying to over over uh, simplify things to you. I know you're well taught, so give me a little room. I, it's a little simple teaching for the bride, I know. But but you see, Jesus is prophesied to come to us in three sons' names. He came as the Son of Man when he was on the earth. Remember that? And he prophesied he would return as the Holy Ghost and be the Son of God throughout seven ages. And then he would return as king to Israel and be the son of David on their throne throughout the millennium. But between that son of God and that son of David, he promised us that he would come as the son of man to restore to the bride everything that they had lost in the church ages. I'll tell you, God made a promise and we're at the event of the fulfillment of that promise. And there are benefits to those that have received the son of man in the age we're living in. Brother Bram began to read somebody's heart. He said a power had to do that, didn't it? He said a power had to, to tell you where you come from, what your name is. He said, now, if you believe that power to be of the devil, you'll receive the reward of the devil. He said, but if you believe this to be God, you will receive the reward of God. There is a benefit to recognizing that this message is coming from God. It is the supply line to you, a channel for the restoration of any condition you're living in tonight. Listen, when I look at this, I go back in the scriptures and I think of these events. Amen. I I maybe take a few more moments. Is that all right? I look at these events and I see these in the scriptures. Do y'all recognize that there were great events nobody knew even happened? Can you, can you imagine that when Jesus walked out to John the Baptist in the Jordan River, what kind of event that was? When hardly anybody even knew he was on the earth. And it wasn't even promised to be a secret. But not very many people even knew Jesus was there. But he walked down in the river. Now, he went to John, remember, and asked John to baptize him. Now, this has always been a point for years. I, I, I was a little confused of why Brother Brown made such a big point out of it. And he said that John went to Jesus and Jesus to John. He said, now, he said, I have need that you baptize me. 
And John argued with the Lord. And said, well, don't you baptize me? And remember, Brother Ben said, I went and talked to them. And they said, well, it's because the sacrifice needed to be washed and this and that. Amen. And, and if you see, there's a, there's a bit of a mystery laying in that. Was that Jesus was the word. And John was his prophet. Listen, he couldn't go introduce himself to the Pharisees. He couldn't go down and tell the Sanhedrin, I'm here. He had to go to John first. And when he come to John, John vindicated the word and the word vindicated the prophet. There he was, the word meeting the prophet in the river. What an event that was taking place that day. Now, we don't have any pictures of that event. We only have the records of uh, of what was written. But wouldn't it shock you to know that same kind of event happened in our generation? Would it shock you to know that in 1933 on the Ohio River, an event just like that took place? Amen. When a prophet was standing in the water baptizing people, when it come to the 17th person, remember, he was about to baptize and said, I, I heard a voice, look up, look up. And he said, I finally, I looked up and he said there was a star. It was coming out of heaven. He said it was descending like this. And he said, as John the Baptist was sent to forerun the first coming of Christ. I sent you with a message to forerun his second coming. I tell you that pillar of fire appeared before the banks. Amen. Now, now this is a powerful thing to me. It was a powerful event that not a lot of people even knows ever took place. But God was so merciful to you. God was so merciful to you that you would hear about it. And let me say something greater than that. You would believe it. I wasn't standing there, but I believe that it happened. Now let me, let me say something. We've come to an age now where everybody wants evidence, right? They want proof. Do you know we don't have no pictures of that, of the fire? We do have a picture of the baptism. And we know the baptism took place. We don't have no picture of that pillar of fire. And people say, well, if you had a picture, we believe you. Well, just so happens. That only a few years later that William Branham is preaching a meeting in Dallas, Texas. And they're challenging him upon being a divine healer. And they want to argue the point with him. Remember? And the Baptists come in and made a debate and said, Brother Branham was calling himself a divine healer. And that he wasn't, he, he, that, that he was a lunatic. And Brother Branham said they wanted to, to debate me and I wouldn't debate with them. He said, so Brother Bosworth comes and said, won't you let me up there, brother? I won't fight. Let me, let me, let me up there. And Brother Bam said, all right, if you promise not to fight. So, so Brother Bosworth is going to argue with this great theologian. They bring in, they bring in a photography country. Uh, uh, the Baptist people bring in a photographer. They're going to take pictures of this. Y'all, do y'all know this story? You, you, you ever heard Brother Bam tell it? It's a powerful story. And he said that Brother Bosworth whipped that man with just one question. He said, does all the redemptive names of Jehovah apply to Jesus Christ? He couldn't answer it. Because if he said no, then it wasn't Jesus wasn't a healer or it wasn't a savior. But if he said yeah, then it meant Jesus was a healer. So he was tied in knots with that one question. And Brother Bram said he got upset and waved his fist in front of the old brother's face. And they took a bunch of pictures. And he said then all of a sudden they started challenging me and saying what I was. He said I was there. Nobody knew it. He said, but at the end of the debate, Brother Bosworth comes up and said, well, Brother Branham happens to be here tonight. He said, hey, if he like, won't he let him come down and greet the people? And Brother Branham said, I heard a... He said, I told my, my wife, my brother, it's all right. I'm going to go down. And remember, he, he goes down and stands at the platform. He said, now, I'm not a divine healer, but I'm a preacher of the gospel. 
And Jesus Christ is the healer. And he said, now, how many of you good Baptist people have been healed in these meetings? About 300 and stood up. And he said, right here is proof that Jesus is a healer. But if you don't believe me, you come back every night. We're running this healing line. He said, but now if it's that angel that's in question. If it's the angel that you're questioning, he said, you won't have to question him anymore. Here he comes right now. And out of the heavens, that fire began to swirl around that prophet. And those, those photographers happened to be snapping pictures at that same time. Now, when they went home, remember, they went home and they started developing and every picture they had was blank. But they come to that seventh picture and it was a brother Branham and that fire over his head. Now, can I say something to y'all? Our critics took that picture. There's a lot of people trying to criticize that picture now. But our critics took that picture. I don't know if you have it. Amen. Our critics took that picture. But that picture, amen, is the only proven supernatural photograph that's ever been taken. Now, there was more taken later, but this is the only one proven to be a supernatural being. Amen. That come in the room. And there we have that picture. Now, now do you know, many people maybe don't think so much about that, but God thought so much of it. Amen. That he come down and had his picture taken with this man and the fire that was over his head. And Washington, D.C. got a hold of this picture and put it up in the Library of Congress. Now, we've got another picture there if you have it. And some good friends of all of ours, amen, actually went up to the Library of Congress and took a picture with it so you all could see exactly where it's at. It's still in Washington, D.C. tonight. Now, there's some people that have changed their mind about that picture. But but God ain't changed his mind. Even the American government hadn't changed their mind. Amen. Because this picture stands as a vindication of what we're following in the last days. Amen. Can I, can I say something to you? We're not keeping that picture because of the man that's in the picture. The picture is not about the man. Focus your, focus your sights a little higher. That angel of the Lord has been identified as Jesus Christ, the angel of the covenant. Oh, come on, church. That was the same one that met Moses in a pillar of fire. He's the same one that led two million people out of Egypt and led them across the promised land. Because of his leadership, they never got sick in their bodies. God fed two million of them. When they come up to the Red Sea, it opened up in front of them. Think about that. The sea opened up because they were following that light. People say, well, Brother Wayne, I'd like to have that light. Do you know the same light that was leading them is the same very light that was taken a picture with right here in this picture you're looking at? But let me tell you something greater than that. That picture, amen, we have it. But we have something greater than that picture. We have the reality of what was produced from that picture that Jesus Christ remains to be the same Yesterday, today, and forever. Now what is that? That's a proven presence then. That is a visible presence of Jesus Christ in the last day. As a pillar of fire. If you don't believe me, you would, but you believe Jesus himself. When Paul met the same thing, he said, Lord, who art thou? He said, I am Jesus. Remember, I have come from God and I have returned to God. That same pillar of light that met Paul, that led Moses.
Moses has come to this generation to lead this bride into the millennium. Now let me tell you something. He didn't come to leave. This light did not leave when our prophet was buried. He said, yet a little while and the world see me no more. But I'll be with you, even in you, until the very end. Amen. Let me tell you something. This God will be with this church in its low hours. It'll be here in the hours in the valleys of your lives. Now, when you when you vindicate that presence, then what you have done now is you have got something of a vindicated word that was now, it really doesn't matter the condition you get yourself into. You now have a channel of restoration no matter the situation that you get yourself into. May I, may I challenge and say this to you? Amen. That regardless of the conditions that we are going through, there is a message that is to brought a restoration to your life. Can, can I, can I, can I just challenge you a moment? Can I challenge you to quit looking at the conditions if I can prove to you that this light is greater than any condition you're in? Come on, this is what happened on the road to Emmaus. God came to them in that condition. But in a few minutes, in the presence of Jesus Christ, they forgot about the problems of the age and was focused on the resurrected power. Have you ever noticed they immediately went and told of the resurrection? And while they were telling the testimony of vindicated presence, that same Jesus appeared among them. Listen, today, this Jesus is still among the church. He's still appearing among the church. Now, conditions does not control his presence among us. There is an event that's happening right now in the world we're living in. There may be all these things happening in the governments. All these things is happening. But the conditions of this world does not dictate the power of God that is coming to this age. There is nothing that Satan could do at this point to stop what God has already begun in this church. Some of you have been going through some hard things. I, I realize that. Somebody said, Brother Wayne, I don't think some of you have been gathered for a year and a half maybe. And I know that kind of condition. That gets rough. It gets rough when you can't gather and come to the house of God. But I want you to know that there's a God in this room tonight. Amen. That can meet the challenge of that condition by this message that I'm preaching. I do not have one shadow of doubt that the things that this prophet preached is just alive tonight as they've ever been. And if they fall into your heart, it'll bring a revival in the darkest hour that you've ever lived in. You said, Brother Wayne, we've been in this a long time. Well, can I bring this to you? That was a little girl named Georgie Carter. That the, that, now, why would Brother Branham tell us she'd been nine years in bed? Why would he tell you nine years in bed? Why would he give you a number? Because he knows some of you was going to be suffering through things that seemed so long that you were going to start giving up on the idea that something could happen in your life. But you know what happened to that little girl? She believed that Jesus Christ was the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I want to say that she believed even beyond her own family. Some of you, I, I know some of you believing by yourself these days. Amen. I, I don't want you to give up on your hope. But you, sometimes people believe on Jesus. They just believe on him in another age. Do you know this little girl, Georgie Carter, that her own mama was telling her that she did believe in Jesus, but Jesus don't do these things anymore? You know that G, Georgie Carter's mother actually believed Brother Branham was building false hope in her? 
She believed that William Branham was falsely building hope in Georgie Carter that God would raise her up. But let me tell you something. There was not false hope. It was her only hope. It was not a false pretense. It was a belief in Jesus Christ. Not a belief in the man William Branham. Not a belief in your pastor, Brother Biscoe. Not a belief in our brothers and sisters. But a belief that Jesus Christ. You want to talk about conditions? Nine years and never got off the bed. Nine years her strength was gone. Nine years her little leg was withered up. Nine years she had never got up and played. She had never got out with other friends. But her faith never failed her. In nine years her faith got stronger. While her body got weaker. Because she knew God had a man somewhere. That could still believe that Jesus was real. And as she began to pray God began to send him by vision. Remember? And he went up there, and Brother Bram got out there. <laughs> oh, how God works, friends. Brother Bram got out there and began to pray, and he said, you know, he said, when God's going to do something, the devil makes everything hard. <laughs> he said, I knelt down to pray for Georgie Carter out there in the woods. He said, and the rocks poked me in my knees. He said, the mosquitoes started eating me up. He said, I finally just said, forget it. Forget it. He said, Mosquito, fill yourself up if you want to. But I'm going to pray. And when he began to pray, that same light you saw in that picture began to come down in those woods and begin to minister. Oh, God, what a channel for Georgie Carter. What a channel to bring everything she had lost. My I'm sorry, I'm nearly beside myself to think that God would be so merciful in such a time. It's such an hour of such weakness, of such darkness. But God was still merciful to her. Remember it was late? Y'all remember? You remember how late it was? It was evening. Remember how late it had gotten? That they begin to ring the supper bell and begin to tell Brother Branham it's about past time. And he'd come running, jumping over the barbed wire fence. Come go with me to Georgie's house. Y'all come with me. God is going to restore this girl. I never, I'd love to hear Brother Branham tell things. And he said, I walked down there and knocked on the door. He said, the mama was in the, in the kitchen praying. Remember when she was sitting there praying what was happening? She was saying, send this imposter away. This man that's preaching this guy, send him away, Lord. He's, he's hurting my daughter. And Brother Bram said, while she was praying, she turned and looked. And she said she saw the profile of Jesus come walking. Amen. Down down across her, her, her kitchen wall. And turned and said, who is this? And pointed and there was this man, William Branham, following Jesus. I think it's important to know who this man was following. Come on, church. Amen. I, I hope you understand what I'm saying. We are not following the man, William Branham. When you look at this picture, that pillar of fire is not under his feet. That pillar of fire is not under his arm. It's over his A vision of restoration. A vision of hope. A vision of strength. Everybody thought it was too late. Everybody thought it was too late. Not in this condition, Brother Branham. Can't happen now. But God would give a vision of restoration. Not a vision of a church crawling. Not a vision of a church laying on its back. But a little girl standing in power. He walked over there. 
went over to that girl's bed. Nine years she ain't moved. And began to prophesy over her. I love how he said it. He said, Georgie Carter, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up. Rise up and walk. Brother Bram said, I, I hadn't even thought that one through. He said, I hadn't even thought it. He said, I just heard myself saying, rise up and walk in the name of Jesus. He meant, have you ever said something that, oh, I'm going to go out and, am I okay? Have you ever said something you didn't even know, you didn't even want to say? Years ago in Bombay, India, the brother just passed away the other day. Uh, one of the brothers that was in the meetings, he just passed away, he set the meetings up. I walked as a young preacher in Bombay and, and was preaching to a little little uh, cottage meeting. It was a, a, a schoolhouse, and you know how they do in India, they just borrow the schoolrooms. And they had a schoolroom borrowed, which was a federal government. And when I went in there, it meant the first thing I did was seeing they had these, these, uh, little, little pictures of, of posters that was on the back wall. There's some, there's some of our friends from India here tonight. And they can tell you some of them pictures are pretty ugly. Uh, they, uh, if I was going to worship a God, I'd paint a pair to your God or something. You know, they, some of them, some of them, some of them gods are horrible looking. And they were hanging there where I was going to preach the gospel. And I asked them, can you take them down? And they said, no, Brother Wayne, it's a federal building, basically, and you got to leave them up in the school. I said, all right, I'll just leave them here, and I'll just preach the gospel. I just, young man, hadn't been many times overseas, and I just started preaching, preaching right along. I come up to the message of absolute, and I started preaching to the congregation that there was a seed in you that was greater, amen, than you. Remember a caterpillar? There's a point in his life he's going to be a butterfly. Now, he can argue all he wants to. But there's something greater than that caterpillar. It's the gene that's in him that God spoke. And every footstep is thus saith the Lord, right? Amen. And I begin to challenge the congregation to believe that there was a God ordained their life. And when I begin to challenge that, a girl fell out about where you're sitting there, fell out on the ground right there. And she started screaming and, and fell out curled up. I, I didn't know what to think about it. Just a young preacher. So you know what I did? It says in the Bible, Timothy, preach the gospel in season, out of season. So I just preach the word. That's all I know. Just preach the word. Whatever whatever the devil's doing, I don't know. I'm just going to preach the word. Why I'm preaching? Holy Spirit, quieten me. He said, pray for that woman. Pray for that girl. So I reached over. Amen. And I told the brother sitting next to us, I said, pray for that girl. And he began to lay hands on her. And I began to pray. So I just prayed for her. And when I, when I went to lift my head, I just began to say, I was going to say something. I don't know what I was going to say, but I was going to go back into the word. And when I did, I said, now, if God don't raise that girl up, he's not even God. I just covered my, I just covered my mouth. I thought, oh my goodness, what have I said? But when I said that, all of a sudden, there was a there was a wind just whirled in the room, and it's almost like a, now I'm not I'm not joking. There was a there was a group of preachers sitting like y'all sitting, but they would have been sitting about where that wall of that tent was. There was several pastors sitting there, amen. And when I said that, all of a sudden a wind blew in that room, and a, and a deep mist of fog settled on the on the church. He meant the brothers that were sitting there said, "Brother Wayne, we couldn't see you from where we were sitting. There was a there was almost a block in the in the atmosphere of that room." And when that happened, there was a wind blew in there. That girl stood up. But when she stood up, the people began to rejoice. And I really began to rejoice. Amen. Because I'd put out a pretty big challenge. But it wasn't me that had said it. Amen. It was the grace of God that was showing this message is alive. This ain't a history book. This Jesus is alive. He's here in this building even tonight. Brother, when that wind come in the room, it blowed those posters off of that wall. You talk about a rejoicing bunch of people. 
that God had defeated that devil. The posters were falling. The anointing was in the middle of the room. And the church was full of it. The energy of the Holy Ghost. What was going on in there? God was doing something to prove his word is still real. Go back to that bed of Georgie Carter and see when Brother Branham told her to get up off of that bed. Her legs were that big around. Brother Branham said there was no power in those legs. How could she walk? How could she stand up? She couldn't do it, Brother Murphy. But Brother Branham said when God spoke it, he said he's the power behind it. And when she put her feet down on the floor, power entered her body to fulfill the spoken word over her life. Oh, I tell you, there's been crippling conditions. There's been situations that you have went through. Situations that the church is going through today. But listen, the vision says you're going to walk. This vision says you're going to walk. I don't know what's got you in the place you are. I don't know what your focus has been. I don't know what your walk is like. But I believe tonight that you can rise in the name of Jesus Christ and walk for God again. I think it's time for the young people to walk for God. I think it's time that we walk with the presence of God. I know the conditions are crippling. I know the situations are troubling. Amen. But we have been built for this very hour. We have been designed for this very time. Conditions are horrible. But you're anointed despite the conditions. My, when I start, when I start looking at this, I start looking at a church of the living God. And I see, I see the hour we're living in. And I begin to say, oh God, oh God. The conditions are everywhere. But help me not. Help me not to put my focus there. Help me in these meetings. To not focus on anything. But a resurrected Jesus. Listen to me young people. Elders. That same Jesus. Is right here in this building tonight. They said brother Wayne how do you know. I'm going beyond my feelings to say that. I feel very good. I feel very energized, very, very rejuvenated. But I'm going to go beyond that. And I'm going to step into a vindication that's so far beyond anything that we could do. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. If you begin to focus out every situation of your life, and you begin to focus on the word for your day, all of a sudden, something will begin to transmit into you. You'll begin to find strength where there has been no strength. You'll begin to find things changing in your life that you thought was completely impossible. Listen, he's here tonight. This is the first night of your meetings. But I want to announce something to you. We did not come alone. We did not come to these meetings alone. We have seen a vindicated presence in this end time among the bride of Jesus Christ. And he has made a promise that he would be here. And if you can receive him as being here, there is a benefit. There is a presence that will come into your life and begin to destroy every, every, every block. Every situation. He can walk through this building tonight and change it. It's it's beyond change. It's not beyond change. God moves on the face of the condition. It could be the darkest hour, but God 
is moving. The presence of God. He's in the church. He's come here for restoration. He's come here for restitution. He's come here to give to you. Not take from you. If our musicians could come tonight. The hour of change. The season of change. It's here. In these meetings. The power of God. Has been promised to you. That is just a figment. That is just an emotion. That is just a feeling that's coming. But the God of this scripture. That wrote it. The one that said. If you would repent. And be baptized. That he would give you the Holy Ghost. That God is here. The one that said he would heal your body. That God is in the room. Can you imagine. Right now tonight. If we could get our eyes open. Nothing else would have to change. If our eyes would just come open to who's in the midst of us just now. So Wayne, this needs to happen. This situation needs to take place. And if my mom, if this was different, if if this other thing would happen, listen to me, everything that God needs to do has been done. Though an army would rise against this word, it shall still be fulfilled in your life. Young man come up to me in a prayer line some time ago and he said, Brother Wayne, I've been praying and praying and praying. Praying for the Holy Ghost. He said, I've been been praying for years now. He said, He said, God won't give me the Holy Ghost. And it was as if that he had done his part and God wasn't doing his part. I was just listening. And you know how many people I've heard say, Brother Wayne, I've done everything. God's not giving me the Holy Ghost. And it just it just kind of a little inspiration came to me. Brother Tom, I looked at the young man. I said, let me ask you something. Do you believe Jesus raised from the dead? He said, I believe. I said, well, then you're justified. I said, do you live a clean life, young man? He said, yes, sir, I do. I said, you're sanctified. I said, well, if I promised you a dollar and had give you 75 cents, I said, what makes you think I won't give you the other quarter? If God's give you this much, what makes you think he won't give you the rest? If God's brought you this far, what would, it, what would make you think that he won't take you the rest of the way? If he got you in this tent, what makes you think he can't change the situations? While you're sitting in this tent, that job might not ever change, but you will. The home might not change, but you will. Nothing else changed on that road. But God opened their eyes. Y'all know I could go through the Bible for hours with this. Nothing changed with Elisha. Syrian army was the same. The cabin was the same. The problem was the same. And Gehazi was torn to pieces. And, and he was all worried. And the Lord said, Elisha said to him, Lord, open this man's eyes that he might see. The army didn't change. He didn't change. Nothing changed. But when he saw... That he was in the presence of all those angels. Have you ever thought about this? Those angels didn't do nothing in the battle. Nothing. They didn't do nothing in that battle. 
But when he recognized the presence of the supernatural, he recognized that they were more than enough for the season they were living in. Listen tonight. I believe God could open eyes. The conditions, horrible. But the season and the hour of where we are in the word is the greatest moments in the history of the world. Listen, friends. Don't wait for the condition to change. Let Christ come tonight and change it in your heart. I wonder tonight, would there be anybody want to stand and say to, just say, Lord, I've been focusing on the wrong things. I've been looking in the wrong direction. And I don't like what it's doing to me. I don't like what, I don't like the thoughts that I'm having. I don't like the feelings that are coming. I want you to do something tonight, Lord, to change my focus. Change my focus tonight, Lord. Let's just bow our hearts. Heavenly Father, Lord, your children, Father, they've sat here tonight to hear your word. Oh, God, how I wished, how I wished that I was a speaker to help them, Lord. How I wish that I could... I could so bring the word that it would, that God, it would capture every heart to believe you. But Father, I'm asking you tonight to do what we cannot. May you come in behind this message. And may you move in down those hands into those hearts. Father, may they turn their focus tonight from the things that they've been looking. The situations, the conditions. And may they begin to look to the answer. And Father, I ask you for these people. Through this entire camp meeting, I pray, God, that there would be a special anointing. And Lord, you spoke to me there in the room today. Lord, you, you spoke to me concerning this very sermon I'm preaching. And Lord, I, I'm preaching this because I believe it. Now, Lord, we're asking you to be the voice behind it. Come into these hearts now, Lord. Begin to change these situations. Father, come into the heart tonight. Maybe somebody don't have the Holy Ghost. May you touch that need, Lord. Maybe somebody here tonight sick in their body. May you begin to heal them, Father. Maybe one here tonight, anxiety and depression has begun to overtake their lives. I pray tonight, Father, that you would be that God of peace in their hearts just now. We're asking you for this room, for them that are here, but Lord, them that are out there at the line tonight, them that are at their homes. God, may you settle in those homes. May they, may they make a conscious decision tonight to look away from the things and to turn their eyes back upon the Lord. I ask you for it tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. God bless you, my friends. God bless you. Brother, what are we singing? Sing God that's
use that same God conditions but he's the same God he's the same one moving in this building right now he's that same one turning him loose tonight we're in a we're in a, um, a restoration God restoring God giving back and giving back to you that's what this meeting will be about God giving back to you in the middle of this condition do you believe God can allow things to happen to turn around and prove to you that in the middle of the greatest trial of your life that he is the same God that dealt with Moses and he come all the way from heaven to deal with you I believe he's real tonight God bless you friends we're going to have brother Tom come and lead the service as he feels actually catch what you heard tonight because if you did you will never be the same again just another meeting you just go back into your cycle but if you actually heard what the Holy Spirit was saying to you the church you will never ever be the same again Powerful message tonight. Very powerful word. And those young people that are on the Canadian side, I'm addressing you also. We heard about a Martinburg. And brother, brother, Wayne just threw that in there. 
just threw it in there. I want everybody listening to me and looking right at me. When the Martin bird come, is that if I'm correct, Brother Wayne, he was the scout. He sent the scout for the rest of the family to come. If I understand it right, Malachi 4 was my scout. Are you listening to me, people? Forget the nonsense of Laodicea. Forget the nonsense of all denominations. They're dead and twice plucked up by the roots. This message is the only thing that has life. You people start to play around with other churches and other things. Saints of God, let me tell you one thing. Your answer is the word and the word itself. You either got the word living in you. Or you're just listening about the word. Your Bible says, for whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. You don't look like the world. You don't act like the world. You're sons and daughters of God. And we're starting to realize this. We're not campground meeting people. Oh, we got another camp and we got, we're just going to go through another problem and, and trials of our lives for the next year. Come back to another camp and get stirred and, and go back like the world. Nonsense. We are birthed by the word. And you heard enough words tonight to birth you into heavenly places and tell that devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. That's what I heard. I heard I was a friend. And there was a prophet, there was a Martin bird that went ahead of me and bound that devil for me. And I don't have to worry about the lusts of the world, look like the world, act like the world. I look like a son of God. I act like a daughter of God. You need to realize. You put the devil under your feet. Don't look at me like I'm strange. You put the devil under your feet. You overcome by the word that you heard tonight. And you say to the devil, I'm living in this event. Brother Bram said, modern events made clear by prophecy. The very message Brother Wayne was was referring to. He said, you are a son and daughter of God. You were in God all the time. He knew the betting ground. He was telling you the letter. You're marking it on the calendar. He was telling you, saints of God, you're the ones that God has called you for this hour. You're made a son and daughter of God. You're to manifest the son and daughter of God. To meet the challenge of the hour. There's no other message. There's no other church. There's no other doctrine. There's this word, this message. And this message is to birth you young ladies. To be young women of God. Daughters of God. Sons of God. Come on Martha. Start telling your sister Mary. The event is taking place. The master has come. And he calleth you. That's what this message was for me tonight. I want to let you know, Mary, the master comes and he's secretly talking to you and the resurrection 
is here. If you're standing tonight and you've battled something and you're testifying in the presence of God and before all the people that are here that that thing is broken in your life, I want you to raise up your hand in faith and say, Satan, you are bound tonight. Not just tonight, but forever in my life. I heard thus saith the word of God. I don't believe Georgie Carter wanted to climb back onto that bed after nine years of being delivered. She got off that bed. She walked. She talked. She played the piano. She rejoiced. I want you to lift up your voices. I want you to lift up your hands and say, praise be to God. I am delivered tonight in the name of Jesus. I'm delivered, brother Tom. I'm set free by the word of the Lord. The event is taking place. Heavenly Father, with our hands lifted up, our voices to give you praise, telling Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. I have been birthed and born again by the word of God, and I overcome all things through Christ Jesus. Lord, I'm not crawling back onto that bed. I'm going to walk out of this tent and I'm going to go rejoicing. Knowing that devil is never going to bother me again. Father God, as we rejoice, we confess and we believe. Never, never to pick that demon up again. Father, we're asking for total deliverance in the name of Jesus Christ for your glory and your glory alone. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. You might as well say glory to God. You might as well say praise his holy name. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I'm free tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might as well give him a wave offering. You might as well praise him tonight. You might as well open up your lips. We've got no time restraints. We just want to give him all the glory. Hallelujah. Overcoming power is what we have today. You can say, I can prove I'm one in a million. And Satan, I got you under my feet tonight. Joel's army, I want to ask you, is it coming in plain view? And who is a part of Joel's army tonight? I think we could sing that. I think we could sing that and let the devil know who I am. In Christ, Joel's army. said right now you know I'm sure if I was the sergeant leading this platoon Joel's army is in plain view 
I'd say it with a little bit more fervency. I am that army. Say it like you mean it and sing it like you mean it tonight.
Thank you. 
Haven't the young lady said? Yes. Amen. Have you been fed? You feel strong? Have you taken the word? Amen. Then you'll never get to this place again. This place is now behind you. We're going on in Christ. We're going on in the message. Brother David Mayer is going to preach tomorrow morning. We're going to go higher. Brother Wayne, tomorrow night, we're just going to go higher. Amen. We're leaving this world, saints. I'm ready to be translated. And what I'm hearing is my translation. It's my supply line. It's everything to me. And I don't know if you didn't get what you needed to get tonight. I want you to go back. I want you to listen to this tape again and again and again. Because it's it's got rapturing grace within it. Had a wonderful evening. Wonderful word tonight. God bless you. I'm, I, I just, I'd, like, I'd like you to look at your right foot. Look at your right foot right now. Look at it. And just lift it about three inches. Lift it three inches. And stop. That's the devil. I want you to remember it. I, remember, I, want, cause I, I, I know you're standing here now. I, I see you, Abraham. I see you. I saw you. You lifted your foot that high. And about that high. That was that old devil slithering by. I bind that devil. I stomp that devil. You say, well, you probably tell me you in Sunday school. Hey, I need these little things. Because these things have to become a reality to you. Power to bind, power to loose. How is it? Be more sincere. Just be more sincere. And I know you'll press the battle. God bless you. Brother Murphy, would you mind closing in order of prayer? Let's bow our head. Oh, precious oh Lord, how we thank you, Lord. You know every need. You know every struggle. You know every person that have a mind battling. Lord, you know every sickness. You know every backslider. You know everyone that has been discouraged. Lord, you only have a one answer. By the word, you cast that out, the demon, Lord. We're so thankful, Lord, you bring that a man of a God. Don't know anything, but yet you know everything, Lord. By the word, Lord, is specifically fit for each situation. Lord, you give us the word of a restoration. This is not a time before. This is not time in future. But Lord, a restoration is right now at this moment if we can believe it. It's not by our feeling. It's not by our emotion. But Lord, it's by faith to believe the restoration is already done, Lord. Better restore the word which you give it to us. Lord, we saw our children be restored. We saw that the family been restored. Lord, we saw that a young man, that a young girl that has been tortured by the world, by the demons, has been restored. It's by faith and only by faith we believe it, Lord. So, Lord, I just pray you to, Lord, to take this young man, that a young goes back to their the cabin, Lord, and may they, Lord, is thinking about this word. May they meditating it upon this word. Then know what we have heard is not just a word only, but it's the manifest and it's a vindicated word. That a release of the power to each person, Lord. Can bind every demon, can cast out every demon, Lord. We thank you, Father. We thank you for Brother Win, Lord. We just ask you to restore him as he poured himself out. That the Holy Spirit has given him the word tonight. That the same Holy Spirit will give her brother David the word tomorrow morning. And that it continue on for tomorrow night. 
Lord, we go back each day, Lord, because we know each day that you will send down a fresh manna to us. We thank you, Lord. We ask you to dismiss us, Lord, and let us meditate upon what we have heard, to know we have met our Lord tonight, that by your presence, that's where we're living at, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been wonderful tonight. God bless you. We have a, a snack, I guess, prepared up at the up at the kitchen right away. And then tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock sharp, Brother David Meyer will be preaching to us here in the tent. Why don't we just sing as we get going? Just give me your hand. Why don't you shake one another's hand as you sing it? Just give me your hand. Let's agree together. God bless you, saints, in Cloverdale. God be with you. Thank you for your prayers.